This is Daniel Hagedorn from Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. This is day 43 of our 365-day journey with you. You know, my wife and I are so passionate about helping parents reclaim the rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids. So our podcast focuses on the time-tested principles that any parent can learn and apply to build an emotionally safe home and to help their children thrive. So we talk about every parent's most basic fears because, well, they used to be our fears too. Things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent, or I'm not qualified, or I'm going to mess my kids up. And you know, as parents, we will do anything to help our kids. And since our ceiling is our children's floor, We owe it to them to always be learning and growing. So for the next 365 days, you've been invited into our experiment. We are committed to walking alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies every day, every step of the way. Now, the last two podcasts have focused on this idea of superheroes, and I have argued and will continue to argue that I consider parents superheroes. Um, you know, and, and parents, parents oftentimes come in a lot of different forms. There's a lot more than just the biological parents. There's also adoptive parents. There's foster parents. Uh, there's caregivers that are even outside of the immediate um, family. There, there are a lot of different, there's single parents, There's all kinds of of different situations. I want to focus, though, on what I think is kind of a a forgotten element and aspect of this, and that's foster parents. You know, we have, my wife and I have spoken uh, at uh, a couple of foster care conferences, and I've been so impressed by the people that are the executive directors and the case managers, just you know, amazing human beings. They just love these kids. They are so, it is so heavy on their hearts to, um, to just help these kids. And, and to be honest, I can't even imagine what it would be like to walk in their shoes and have to look at the situations they see day in and day out. I, I don't know what that would do to my mind or do to my heart. That would be pretty tough. That's all I know. And so I just, I have such a, such a high regard and respect um, for them. You know, we, uh, we have a, a dear friend of ours who uh, works a lot with foster care agencies, and it's, it's just been an amazing experience to get involved in that. And then when my wife and I, we uh, were in Israel uh, last year with our daughter. We went on a, on a trip there with a, with a group of people. And one of the places we visited was a, a, a orphanage that we support financially. And, you know, this orphanage was amazing because it wasn't like a Charles Dickens kind of dark, gloomy, depressing, miserable. It was amazing. It was bright. It was shiny. It had vibrancy. It was alive. The kids had joy. It was really an incredible experience. And what this guy is, uh, Rabbi David Grossman, he actually recently was given a, a Lifetime Humanitarian Achievement Award by the Prime Minister of Israel. And just an amazing man. Uh, he has personally walked over 200 
orphaned girls down the aisle as as their dad. And um, it was pretty pretty amazing experience to see this. They have a a rather interesting situation. There's there's dorms, but then there's twelve kids who live in a really large room. Um, has to be big. There's twelve kids in there, but but they live in a large room together. And then next door, there's a married couple, and uh, they live with with their kids. But but basically, they adopt for all intents and purposes. They adopt and take care of these twelve kids. So wherever they go, they go to the market. They bring these twelve kids. They go to the park. They bring these twelve kids. They go to the um, wherever wherever they go. These twelve kids go. Then like they're they're their own kids. And you know the really interesting thing is that 80%, 80% of those families who are taking care of these, these orphaned children were orphans themselves. Because what happens is when they get married, they set this couple up. They, they pay for their rent for a year. They furnish the apartment. They, they really set them up. They have a the original house where the orphanage started uh, is now a, a bridal center and so these orphans can pick out these top of the line designer gowns that have been donated and and they have makeup artists and and hair styles come in and they just it's an amazing experience for them and then they just continue to give back and it's such a joyful experience and i wish that experience were more common here in america Um, but it's not you know, foster care is supposed to be basically a temporary living situation for for parents who are unable or unwilling or unfit to care for them. And and then their care has or their need for care has come to the attention of a child welfare service. So the program's supposed to be a temporary out-of-home care, but you know, obviously the length of time that children actually spend in care is um well, it can it can vary pretty widely. So, adoption, unfortunately, is um, is not the plan for every child in foster care. Many children in foster care are living in a family setting, possibly with a relative, foster parents, or perhaps pre-adoptive parents. But for fifty-eight percent of the children in the foster care system. The goal is to reunify them with their biological parents or at least place them in the care of a relative. But for 26% of the cases, parental rights have been terminated for one reason or another, and the end goal is for the child to be adopted by a new family. Now, all this information comes from the National Foster Youth Institute. And, you know, it's it's interesting because in the, the intent, the intent of the foster care system, is to make a promise to children. And that promise is that they are being given the chance to create a better life for themselves. The the promise is that they're going to be given a safe home where they can have a family uh, that's called their own. And sadly for many children, these promises are just empty words that have no meaning. I, I had a, I just about broke down when I heard this but I was I spoke at a foster care conference with my wife last year, and afterwards I was talking to one of the executive directors in attendance, and I was I was just stunned, and I I just I got emotional just listening to this. But she said that eighty eight percent of the kids in the foster care system are trafficked at some point in their lives. She said that 
you know, a lot of them uh, run away and then they fall prey to traffickers. Sadly, sometimes parents in the system even sell them to the traffickers. But more often than not, they just simply age out of the system and then have nowhere else to turn. Every year, there's more than 23,000 children who are aging out of the U.S. foster care system. And 20% of that number instantly become homeless. They have nowhere to go. And 25% of the children who age out of the foster care system will still continue to suffer from the direct effects of PTSD suffered in their own experiences. 71% of young women who age out of the foster care system will become pregnant by the age of 21. And nearly 60% of the young men who age out of the foster care system and are legally emancipated have been convicted of a crime. About one in four kids who age out won't graduate from high school or be able to pass their GED. There is less than a 3% chance for children who've aged out of foster care to earn a college degree at any point in their life. And only one out of every two foster kids who age out of the system will have some form of gainful employment by the age of 24. It's not a very hopeful situation. And you know, I don't I don't uh I don't say that because I'm I'm trying to be a downer, but you know, there are bad things that happen and it doesn't benefit us to just stick our head in the sand and pretend like bad things aren't happening or pretend like we we can't hear it. We we sometimes need to be to be con- just smacked upside the head with this stuff because it's very easy to sort of retreat and be comfortable and, and we don't want to we don't want to get involved, we don't want to get engaged. And you know, these kids are just so starving. You know, we uh, a few months back, my wife and I and, and some uh, kids from our, our church, we went out into uh, an orphanage and it was an amazing experience. And these kids, it's a big uh, actually pretty they got a lot of land. And they've got about 100 kids there. And it was just great just playing with them and interacting. These kids, you know, they're just, you know, yeah, the the kids aren't perfect. But man, just they've got such amazing hearts. And there's, it's, it's tragic to see when you know that every child is stamped in the image of God. Therefore, every child has an amazing story. And so when this happens, when you see these things go on, um, yeah, I get it. It's 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 in us to want to just turn away. It's in us to want to just pretend like these things aren't going because it's extremely painful. It's extremely uncomfortable to consider this. But I believe that there is a lot of hope on the other side. In fact, this is exactly what drives my wife and I is because we believe that if these foster parents were equipped with these basic principles— if they were able to to work on the things in their own hearts, the wounds that are there, and, and clear those away so that they could really become the ceiling. And their ceiling is their children's floor. And the children's floor is where their starting point is. And instead of these kids being left behind the curve, what if they were left ahead of the curve, or at least even with it? What a difference that would make in the lives of of a significant number of kids. 
You know, every year, over 6 million children are at high risk of being abused by their families. And there are 3.3 million reports of violence against children that result in foster care placements every year. And I just, you know, the, the thing is, is that there's two parts of that that make me sad. The first is obviously these poor, innocent kids who are suffering abuse, who are experiencing, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be in their shoes. And on the other hand, I know that the, the parents that are doing the abuse, they have their own wounds. And I don't offer that as an excuse. I will never excuse violence against children, but I believe there's an explanation for it. And I believe that if we look at that explanation and try to do something about it, not coddle it, not make excuses for it, but address it, bring healing to it. All of us have wounds, right? And all of us are responsible for how we choose to deal with those wounds. Because ultimately, and I think this is lived out in very clear terms, if we don't deal with our wounds, our children will. I guarantee you, the majority, if not almost all, if not every single one of those 3.3 million reports of violence against children, I would, I would bet money that those people themselves that are perpetrating the violence were themselves victims of violence. And so we know, we know that in this, children thrive in families. That's another reason why my wife and I are so, we just want to pour ourselves into doing everything we can to, to help parents, to equip parents, to empower parents, to really help parents embrace and reclaim their rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids. And we do that because right now in the U.S., there are 397,122 children living without permanent families in the foster care system. And of that number, only 101,666 are eligible for adoption. And 32% of the children who are eligible for adoption must wait at least three years before they will be adopted. And you know, if you look at this globally, there are 17.9 million orphans who have lost both parents and are living in orphanages or on the streets around the world today. In 2012, U.S. families adopted more than 7,000 children, yet over 100,000 children are waiting to be adopted from the American foster care system each and every year. You know, those numbers, uh, I think it's important that we put, we put faces to them, that we, we look at them. Those are not just numbers. You know, it's been said that uh, the death of one person or harm done to one person is tragic, but the death of millions is merely a statistic. And you know, the, the sad truth is, is a lot of times we see those numbers and they resonate 
up to a point, we, we can look at that and go, wow, that's, that's really sad or wow, that's a pretty big problem. But you know, eventually at some point, every single one of us needs to have a sod sat moment. I don't know if you know what a sod sat moment is, but that's someone ought to do something about that. And again, it isn't that you have to go on a crusade and change the system, but maybe look at what you can do to help. That This isn't about, um, you know, we don't, oftentimes we look at this situation and, and maybe we feel guilty, but you know what? Don't feel guilty. Don't waste time on that. Just think about, is there something God is leading you to do to help these orphans, to help these kids in foster care? You know, to, to, you know, one of the other podcasts talked about this idea of fatherlessness and, and the damage that's done. And, and sort of an overarching message has just been all the attacks that are leveled against the family. And this is what we're talking about in this episode is this is what the casualties look like. These are the casualty lists of broken families. Uh, of families that this is what it looks like when people don't deal with the wounds in their own hearts, when people don't take responsibility for their own lives to deal with these wounds. They pass these wounds on to their children. And, and that's something that we, we have a responsibility to do something about. And even if I'm not going to tell you that you know what to do. I'm just going to suggest to you perhaps to think about doing something to contribute, to, to help in some way. Maybe it's just donating some clothes. Maybe it's donating some money. Maybe it's going, finding an orphanage uh, somewhere close to your system. Maybe it's fostering some kids. You know, I'm not, I'm not on a particular agenda. I'm just saying, you know what? Maybe this is something that we we have a moment, right? A sod sat moment where we go, someone ought to do something about that. And then just really think and pray about what that something for you is. And it's probably gonna be different for people, right? Because we're all in different situations. But it's something that we need. It needs to be on our minds. The orphans need to be on our minds. One of the things that, you know, I um, I, I remember in, in looking at, um, I think, with, how would I put this? Um, I think, like I said, when we're confronted by the painful or the uncomfortable, it's it's easy to, to turn away, you know, um, but, but God is, is a great protector. God is a loving father of all children who are living as orphans. You know, Psalm 68, 5 says, the father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Deuteronomy 10, 18 says, he ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. Psalm 10, 14 says, But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherlessness. You know, and we can be 
We can choose to be the hands and arms and legs and feet and heart of God, whatever that looks like. Because, you know, ultimately there's, there's, two, there's two observations for me that I take away from, from this, you know, in my own experiences and, in, and just, you know, reading through some of the statistic of what's going on. But the first thing is the foster care system and the people who work inside it, the parents, and especially the children, desperately need our prayers and anything that we are able to do to help. And the second, the second observation is that it demonstrates in absolutely painful, agonizing detail the necessity of becoming the parents that God intends us to be. Because looking at the orphans, looking at the kids who are in foster care makes us get up close and personal with what it looks like when people don't deal with and own their stuff. When parents don't deal with their own lives, when parents don't take responsibility for their own lives, when parents don't own their stuff and become the men and women that God intended them to be as the parents of that child, this, this is the consequence. In vivid, 1080 HD, painful, agonizing detail. And so I just say this as an encouragement. This is why all of us really need to be committed to just dealing with anything in our hearts that could prevent our kids from experiencing their best life. I just want to thank you so much for listening. I know this was a little bit of a heavier podcast than normal, but thank you so much for tuning in. There are literally hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there. You chose to give your time to us. Check out our website, pk4l.com for more resources, and please click on the link in the show description to download your free ebook, Building an Emotionally Safe Home, as our gift to you. I'm actually going to leave a link for you um, in, the, in the show notes. Uh, for um, uh, the National Foster Youth Institute's great organization. But remember, we are with you every day, every step of the way. So until tomorrow, have a great day.